This is episode number 230 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannett. Hey, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. This week, I'm going to, to cover how to make that mental shift to where you actually start to see yourself as the expert when you stand up to speak. Just so you know, one of the major sources of nervousness comes from a fear when people stand up in front of the group of thinking that the audience is going to figure out that they're not the real expert or that they're not as much of an expert as the boss or the coworkers or other people in their, in their industry. Well, once you realize that if you're the person who is actually up speaking, you've got information that the audience really needs to know, then it helps boost your confidence immensely. We're going to cover a few tips or a few things that you can do to help you boost that confidence on this episode. The episode, by the way, is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear and become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in Phoenix, Dallas, Tampa, Los Angeles, Denver, Philadelphia, and Boston. We also have a virtual class coming up in January, If it, just in case you're not close enough to one of those classes to make it really convenient. The virtual class is a really good option. So make sure to check out the updated schedule at fearlesspresentations.com for all of our classes and locations. All right, so let's get on with today's podcast. Hey, so the topic today is that you are the undisputed expert. So now you got to prove it. And one of the fundamental steps in improving your presentations is to realize that you are the absolute expert on the top topic that you're going to be presenting on, regardless of what industry that you're in or what background you have. You have to realize that you're the expert at that thing that you're speaking on. The knowledge that you have in your head or the knowledge that you have from your experience is really valuable to other people. And when you understand this, your presentations are, and, and really just your communication in general will improve dramatically. So public speaking fear and self-consciousness, they, they, sometimes, they, they sometimes, those things come from not understanding this basic truth about our own expertises, um, our internal monologues, you know, that happen inside our heads. They'll say things like, oh, why would anybody care what I have to say? Or, God, there's so many people out there who know way more about this than what I do. Why, you know, why would folks listen to me? Um, if, if those things that your internal monologue or you're saying to yourself inside your head, if those things were actually true, then those people that know more about this would be the one speaking in the presentation for the most part. Now, that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes we have to fill in for another speaker or something like that. But for the most part, if you're the person who's speaking, it's mostly because, most often anyway, it's because you know more about that thing that you're speaking on than the other folks in the room. Otherwise, they'd be the ones up giving the presentation. So one of the so the main thing that you have to kind of realize about this is that when you're when you get up to speak, you have to kind of believe that you are the undisputed expert in the on that topic. And sometimes 
that may absolutely be true, but you just don't realize it yet. So I'll give you a few examples just for me personally. And by the way, this isn't about, oh, wow, look how great Doug is. I'm just going to show you how some of the things that I've done have allowed me to be an expert in things that I never really set out to be, but I could still talk about those things because because I know them inside and out. So like, for instance, when I was like 14 years old, my dad owned a home remodeling company. And and so as a result, you know, during Christmas breaks, a lot of times every, every winter, pretty much, I crawled under houses and helped him repair frozen pipes that had burst. You know, if the, if the, if the uh, temperature outside got below freezing, a lot of times those PVC pipes, when they froze up, they would, they would burst. And so after a couple of Christmas breaks, I, I had so much experience doing this that I could pretty much do it in my sleep. It was very, it was easy after I did it a few times. It was hard in the beginning, but you know, you get, developed that skill. So as a teenager, I was an expert at repairing ruptured PVC pipes. You know, a few years later, I was in high school. I, I worked at a fast food place and I started out on what they called the board, which is where the sandwiches were assembled. And I, I remember my boss kind of spending maybe a minute and a half showing me how to assemble the sandwiches and stuff like that. But it was really my coworker who had really only been there maybe, I don't know, three or four weeks longer than I had who showed me the ropes. And that coworker compared to me anyway, was the undisputed expert in that process. So, you know, comparatively, I didn't mind listening to that person because that person had way more experience in this, at least a few weeks of more experience. And so, um, and, and that's really what happens to a lot of us when we're speaking as well. A- another example is when I graduated from college and my first real job was working for an oil company uh, doing title work. And after a couple of years, I had not only gotten pretty good at it, but I had also trained another, uh, a number of, of uh, new employees that had, that had come in. So compared to them, I was the expert at the process, just like the, the uh, coworker who trained me at the fast food place uh, in my third year in the training industry. So after I left the oil industry and, and started doing training professionally, um, I, it took me a while to kind of figure out what I was doing. But by the time I, I entered my third year, I, I, I generated like a half million dollars in sales to big corporations, to big companies. And it was the first time that I had done it. And, and it was one of the highest, um, revenues that, that any of the salespeople in the, in the organization had, um, had generated. And so I became an expert at that, that same year, they asked me to come speak at one of the conventions and stuff like that. That same year, I also received a couple of awards for outstanding instruction. And it, it took me about five years as an entrepreneur, by the way, to, to, uh, once I left that company and started the Leaders Institute, took me five years of really struggling to figure out how to do this um, before I made my first million dollars. But it only took me like eight months from that point to generate my second million. <laughs> so basically, with with each one of these accomplishments, I became an expert. I I I had I had, I had information that the general public didn't have, even when my expertise was repairing frozen pipes when you have that type of expertise, that expertise is, is valuable to other people. And it, and once you kind of understand that, that's when you start to see yourself differently. That's when you start seeing yourself as that, that expert. So don't underestimate the value of your knowledge. Your experience has, has made you the expert on what you do. So like, for instance, um, it's a funny story. One of my friends in college was going to school to be an elementary school teacher. So, um, and, and by the way, she absolutely hated math <laughs> when, and uh, during college, because I was, I 
kind of think of myself as being pretty good at math. You know, she would actually come to me and sometimes ask me questions and I would kind of help her out in, in a pinch, you know. So I was kind of shocked when I found out a couple years after we graduated that that um, she became a math teacher. And the reason why she did that, by the way, was because here in, the, in Texas, the, um, the state of Texas pays um, a much higher salary to math and science teachers. At least they did at that time because the, that, that particular type of teacher was in high demand. And so she realized that if she became a math teacher, she would get paid more throughout her career. So to get the higher pay, she, she decided, yeah, I'll be a fourth grade math teacher. And those of us who knew her pretty well were kind of laughing when she kind of told us about her career choice. <laughs> and for the, um, and it was kind of funny because one of the things that she said, you know, we were all having drinks, you know, it was kind of a little mini reunion and we were all having drinks at a, at a, at a bar. Uh, and, um, it, one of the things that she said, though, stuck with me. And it's one of those things that I've kind of told in my classes over the years uh, because, you know, we had been teasing her a little bit. And she said, hey, in order to teach fourth grade math, I just have to be an expert at fifth grade math. And we all kind of laughed because we thought it was funny when she said it. But when I heard her say this, it became one of those like prophetic life lessons for me because in order to be an expert at something, you just really need to know a little bit more about that thing than your audience. And um, like, for instance, um, let's say that you're a restaurant manager who turned around a struggling location. How many other restaurant managers are out there in the world who would want to hear how you did it? You'd be the expert at restaurant turnarounds, especially if you're able to do it a second time or a third time. Uh, or let's just say you're a, you're a dentist and, and you're really good at getting your patients to show up for every month for their six month checkup then other dentists would pay dearly to figure out how you do that, right? So whatever you do on a day-to-day -day basis makes you the expert at that activity. And once you kind of see that, it helps you kind of boost your confidence pretty dramatically. Um, the last thing that we're going to cover here is that what you really need to kind of understand about being the expert on something is that what is common to you is uncommon to most people. Um, an example of this is I'm, I'm a, fan of reality TV about, about the ones about entrepreneurs, right? I mean, I'm not into the big brothers and all that kind of whatever. I don't even know what's, what's popular anymore, but love entrepreneur reality TV. So, I, I mean, I can sometimes be caught getting hooked into watching three straight hours of shark tank or bar rescue is one of my favorites. Um, I think as a business owner myself, I think it's fun to see how business owners who are having challenges can be helped just by a little bit of advice from an expert. It's, the, it's that concept that makes, you know, the ranks to riches story so popular because anyone can succeed with, with a little bit of help from an expert. And I think that's, you know, I guess probably because of my career change or my, the, what I do in my career anyway, uh, that probably makes the, that specific type of thing really popular for me. But um, one of the popular genres of reality TV is house flipping. Um, this type of show is, it's also a fantastic example of how expertise can be repackaged into a different form in, in, to, to kind of give you a little history about where these house flipping shows have, have kind of come from and how they've become popular and kind of diminished over, their, over time and that kind of thing. In, in 2008, the real estate market just crashed. Uh, a lot of people made a ton of money flipping houses from 2008, 2009, all the way up to maybe 2013, 2014, uh, because they were buying houses at bargain basement prices. 
And then they held on to them for a short period of time. Sometimes it was just a matter of months while, while they were able to, to um, revitalize them and, and remodel them and then resell them at a huge profit as the market prices went up. For the first couple of years that folks were doing this, you didn't have to have a lot of skill to make money doing this thing, right? In fact, I personally made quite a bit of money in real estate during that time period. I mean, you buy, you buy um, something when it's low and then just wait until it goes up. And, and if that thing is going up exponentially quickly, the price of it is going up exponentially quickly, you can't lose, right? And, so, and that's what a lot of people were doing. So the housing market had, had such a steep decline in housing prices and then a long steady incline, it just made it really, really easy. So as the housing prices started to stabilize though, 2015, 2016, 2017, only the more skilled investor, investors were able to make a profit. So, so when the house flipping industry became more challenging, many of those entrepreneurs began to sell their expertise about how to wait for it, right? Make money, flipping houses, right? So it was one of those things that, that they, um, they had built up a lot of cash reserves by that point, you know, as if they were smart anyway. And now it got to the point where, Ooh, you had to be a, a quite a bit more judgmental. You had to be quite a bit more of a business person in order to make money flipping houses. Cause it's not as easy because the, the housing prices are not increasing as much as what they were. And so a lot of these folks went out and started doing seminars and classes and reality TV shows and stuff like that to show other people how to, how to do that. And, made quite a bit of money. Um, now, just so you know, I mean, I'm not saying that these guys are heroes or anything because keep in mind, some of these, some of these folks that, that do these types of seminars are scoundrels or just trying to take money. But the point is, is that once you have built some success, the knowledge that you have acquired to get there is really valuable to other people. And this is in any industry that's out there. I mean, anything that you do that you get really good at, you can train other people on, on how to do that. Um, and by the way, because you are the expert, you actually have lots of credibility in the marketplace. You know, for example, years ago, I got a contract to teach presentation skills and leadership skills to uh, members of the Associated General Contractors. It was really, I mean, after I started the Leaders Institute, is really one of my, my really big contracts early on. They, they kind of trusted me to be their expert, their in-house expert, really. Um, and after teaching classes for that association for a couple of years, the participants began to think of me as being an expert in commercial construction. Now, keep in mind, I have never once built a big skyscraper. I mean, obviously, I did the thing for my dad where I, where I, where I fixed frozen pipes, you know, PVC pipes when I was 14, but I, I've never built a skyscraper. I've never actually been up in a skyscraper that's being built or anything like that. So um, I, I knew very, very little about the day-to-day -day operations of what general contractors do. However, because I'd worked with so many of these general contractors in that first couple of years, I had more expertise in that industry than really any other leadership or presentation coaches probably in the world. So I, I had developed a specialty to be able to work with that group. Year or so later, one of these clients hired me to to coach a team who was preparing for what they called a shortlist presentation. Now, I didn't even know what this was when they hired me to do it, but I became an expert on it really, really quickly because um, this is basically where where uh, th there's a presentation where the folks that are on a quote unquote shortlist of qualified vendors are are now competing for um, for a for a really big contract. So what they would do is um, 
uh, proposals are sent in. They'll narrow down the proposals to who they think uh, the, the, the buyers anyway will, will narrow down the, the potential contractors uh, to, you know, eight or so companies. And they'll have each one of those eight companies come in and give a presentation and use that as a way to kind of further weed out which companies are, are unqualified. And, and each, each of those potential vendor, vendors for these potential clients, they get to present to that committee to show the buyers why the company should be awarded, that company should be awarded the contract. Now, by the way, when I did this the first time, everybody in that room knew more about building skyscrapers than I did. I didn't even know what a short list presentation was at the time. However, I knew more about designing and delivering presentations than any of them did. <laughs> so with my coaching, they were able to borrow my expertise to deliver their presentation in a more fluid and effective way. And after I did one of these, um, I kind of knew the process. And then I did another and another and another and another and another. And after I had coached, I don't know, 20 or so of these companies that, that were doing these shortlist presentations and we closed like over 80%, I mean, over 80% of the people that I coached ended up getting the contract. I created an expertise for myself. And so it was one of those things that, that um, uh, it, uh, when, you, when you get really good at doing something, that expertise is, is very valuable. So I've had, over the years, I've had, you know, dozens of big, big um, companies that do that specific type of presentation consult with me and, and um, hire me to come in and do those kind of things just because of that expertise that I have. It's, it's a very specified type, specific type of, of, um, of skill. And you can develop that for yourself as well. And when you do, you present on it and you become uh, well known for, for being an expert in that thing. Um, just keep in mind that when we're talking about presenting as an expert and become an expert, a lot of that presentation confidence comes from your perception of yourself. So if you see yourself as being inferior to the people that you're presenting to, you're going to be nervous. If you see yourself as being an expert, though, you're going to be poised, you're going to be confident. And the only difference between those two types of presenters is the perception that they have of themselves. If you keep that in mind, it makes presenting a whole lot easier. Hey, so thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Make sure to go to fearlesspresentations.com, complete the form, the I'd like more information form, and we'll send you details about the upcoming virtual public speaking classes. See you next week, folks. Bye. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.